Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ooh, baby, we got a show for you this week. That's right. We've got an interview, a very, uh, very polarizing topic and a very interesting interview. We've got conversations uh, about ethics, about our show. So much is happening today. Are you ready to talk to a, a, a self-proclaimed cum dump meatball? I am. I'm also goodbye to all of our listeners, I guess. <laughs> I'll see y'all on the other what side. What is everyone's deal with the stigma? Everyone we need to explore is going to stop of listening sex. to our podcast. I can't wait. Please enjoy this episode. I'll miss you. Forever. Dog. When first choice is a big old bus, you turn around and boom, you end up with us. Tomorrow. Speaking of bottoms, there'll be sun. Just, just thinking, of thinking about. You know, I used to do that number. Loads. Sorry, dressed, what? Dressed as black and well, guess just Annie now. And I was wearing her outfit, and I would tap dance because you know I know how to tap. Well, I used to. Know. Well, yeah, you see me tap like that Kimbra song with the guy, somebody I used to know. Used to know. Um, where would you do this Annie number? I did it at priest. No, I did it at exposure drag, and I did it at flaming saddles. It's a hard knock life for us. <laughs> Can you imagine if we were like, yeah, 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 we'll be great. We'll do it. It's a, it's a, it's a duo. We're we're a stand up duo, and all we did was I fed you songs <laughs> to finish the lyrics, <laughs> and that's the Wait, whole. Give bit. me another one. Give me another one. Um, can you feel a rain on your skin? No one else can feel it for you. Only you can let it in. Speaking of feeding each other things and only letting it in, we have a fun episode today. What What a transition. Speaking of which, but before we get to it. Well, here's what Hi, I wanted to say. Welcome to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meatball. Hi, you sloppy little fucks, you stupid little fucks. Our number is 213536-9180. Our email is sloppysecondspot at gmail.com. Now on with the show. Hi, you sloppy stupid little fucks, you nice little fucks. Welcome to Big Dipper and Meatball. We did it. Um, what I was going to say is, you know, Meatball and I talk a lot of shit on this show. We have a good time. We Ooh, tell that's jokes. one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Me? Shit talker? Shit talk? <laughs> it says Absolutely. it on my business card. So we we talk about a lot of things. And, uh, we do. A, a we a get while into ag- it. A while ago, we had a conversation uh, over a few different episodes where Meatball brought up this movie called The Gift. We talked about... 
um, uh, uh, the idea of bug chasing in relation to HIV. Uh, that became a very polarizing topic. We received a bunch of letters, uh, not a bunch, but a handful of letters, a handful of phone a calls. Hand, yeah, and, they mailed them right to us. Yeah. And <laughs> letters to the P.O. Box. And, you know, people, like like I was saying, uh, the idea of sex, the idea of HIV, there's a huge stigma around HIV. And one of the, the biggest... Uh, um, it's not a, I wouldn't say campaign, but one of the biggest sort of messaging strategies around HIV is reducing the stigma of it and talking about uh, HIV and how's it, how it relates to sex and specifically to gay sex. And so um, that sort of led us down this path where we wanted to explore some things. And And all I wanted to say is... We want our show to be able to do this. We want to be able to have conversations and not be afraid to maybe talk about something that's taboo and explore it. One of the criticisms we got was it's irresponsible to put these things out into the world. But my response to that is as an inquisitive person, and I think a lot of inquisitive, a lot of our listeners are inquisitive as well. I think we want to explore things and we want to explore them with voices that we're familiar with with friends we want to we don't just want to like sort of sit in a dark room and google things and we are not a news source and we are also not an encyclopedia you know what i mean we are not google we are learning about things we're exploring things and i don't view that as irresponsible on this platform because i think anyone who knows uh who listens to our show and knows who we are and knows the vibe of our show knows that we are learning and exploring together. You can't turn on this podcast and think, well, this is a uh, fucking MSNBC. Like that is not us. My so just, ears just start, both ears started ringing so loud. Like it, was too a, much? like it was a sign that we shouldn't do this. <laughs> but I, I think, I do agree. I And again, we've had this conversation, and I'm just going to reiterate kind of what you Please. said. I think that being inquisitive about certain subjects, such as, let's say, if it was bug chasing or something like that, I don't think that it is wrong for me to go to the source of somebody who was into that and talk to them and hear their opinion. Is it the most responsible thing to do to just put it out there for everyone to listen to? I don't think that we're being irresponsible because we're saying like, hey, this is not for us. I, or I, at least I'm saying this isn't for me, but I, I can listen to what this person has to say. Yeah, like and the I world is their full side of different experiences and It doesn't and mean that I'm going to agree with what is being said or done, but I also cannot tell someone else how to live their life. Right. I can ask questions. Yeah. So... So before we um, play does this it seem interview, like I'm being held hostage. What'd you say? <laughs> so does it seem like I'm being held hostage? No, um, <laughs> I'm going to save this shit. Man. But before before we get into you the just interview, you just hear Tamisha Mon's voice in the background, <laughs> deep in the background. You're like, I have never Very been good. the uh, Tamisha. <laughs> Don't Mon. do that. That was like a French accent. It was right? French. Very yeah, French. Yeah, thank you. Very French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Bonjour. So, we speaking of wee oui, wee. Oui. So before. <laughs> Before we get into this interview, which at this point, you already know what the fuck we're going to be talking about because you read the title of the episode. Before we get into this interview, in order to appease all of you who are feeling critical of this, of us, uh, we wanted to give you this little treat of someone leaving us a voicemail for just to sort of, you know, if if you're feeling like you have some shit to say to us, this person is going to say it for us. 
I Big Dipper and Meatball. I am very disappointed in you guys. Well, that you, well, well, not you just guys. Like dad. Because I feel like Big Dipper, you're holding poor Meatball hostage <gasps> to this cum dump thing that you're doing, trying to sneakily get a a bud chaser on your podcast. I think it's very irresponsible of you guys. I don't want to tweet at you. I'm just leaving it as a place now because I know you might ignore it anyway, or you might listen. But it is really, really sad that what's the what's the most contradicting thing about it is you guys are vanilla. Just because you fist a little bit or cruise a little bit, Big Dipper, you're still a very vanilla person. You are not a person who is up on your ethical fluttery, your, you know, how to do kink and fetish ethically. You're you're not involved in that. It, it's telltale on everything you guys say. You're not the people to talk about this. And poor Meatball is clearly not comfortable talking about it because he is, like, completely vanilla and <laughs> monogamous. At least that's the persona that he, he gives. I just don't understand why you are forcing this on your listening public. And I am a very sexual, positive, kink, no shaming. I just want people to do things with ethics and safety and to understand exactly what they're getting themselves into. Because I said it before, I don't care how many doctors you have, how ignorant you are, I don't care about what you think. In order for you to take multiple loads and not consider the ramifications of uh, co-occurring uh, diseases or having a virus that is un- uh, that you can't get medicine for because it is uh, resistant, in order for you to be that person, you have to be just some really privileged person who just doesn't care because you already have medical treatment available to you. So I, I just, I don't understand how you don't understand the privilege of that. And it's, it's irresponsible, and I'm very disappointed. So I know you don't care, but I'd rather say it here than in a tweet. I like how they pronounce tweet at the end. Then in a tweet. <laughs> now, I want to say one thing before we speak on that. Do you recognize the voice? Let's! Like game show music. No, I, that is our favorite 512. That's our 512. Okay, yeah, but say some the, things. The, there was I a will, lot in there. Was there a lot so in why there. don't we start at the beginning? They're disappointed in us. Disappointed, and I think they're welcome to be disappointed. We're not going to always... Uh, listen, I disappoint myself is sometimes. Is this going to be the interview that tanks the pod? I don't think so. Okay. Because I will t- say I very much disagreed with many of the things expressed in that voicemail. One that I'm being held hostage. If I didn't want to do the interview, I wouldn't have done the interview. So let's just say that. Like, I'm not being held against my will to like talk to right. people. You I will, will say- notice in the interview there are moments where I'm uh, like 
clearly uncomfortable with something that he said and then try to make a joke about it. Which is, the jokes were Which funny. Is, yeah, you they did were some good. funny jokes. You they were real, it was, I was pretty on it. Yeah. But you will also find that he may not have the best sense of humor, so he doesn't really quite <laughs> catch it. Um, and then number two, the, the other thing I'll say is there at the end talking about privilege, uh, I very much agree with that. And I think that uh, uh, our cum dump who we interview, who we refer to as Jeff, um, I Bezos. think Jeff even <laughs> Daddy, it's Daddy Bezos. It's Daddy Bezos. Um, I think Jeff even uh, talks about that because talks about a certain person who lost their insurance and therefore had to get off their meds. And yes. that was sort of a window into this idea of privilege. Um, so I totally think that that uh, caller absolutely plays a role in a lot of this conversation. Um Though I do want to talk about the idea that you talked about, like, ethical slutness, because I do, you know, know that term. Um, and I, I, when you say that, uh, you know, I'm so vanilla and I don't get into much and, and whatever, whatever, of course, immediately I had a personal reaction to that where I was like, you don't know me. You don't know everything that I do. Yeah, that was but, the part that really stung. That felt like he was really coming for Oh, when he called us vanilla. You don't know what I do. But also, sure, your perception of me could totally be vanilla. I don't understand, though, the ethical part of it because I do feel like so much of our conversations around sex are are being very open, being very positive, affirming when things are, you know, fucked up because they're non-consensual, you know, affirming people's experiences of, you know... Uh, leaving certain situations. And yeah, we joke about, and I stayed all the time, but I think that's a common thing that happens with a lot of queer people when they find themselves in sexual positions, because there's been so much repressed sexuality for so long. They think, Oh, you know, we all have this experience where we're like, well, where else am I going to get it? I'm going to stay, or I don't have, you know, the agency to leave. So I think that's like a more universal idea that we can all connect to. That happens to everybody. Anyways, if you were feeling like fuck Big Dipper and Meatball, you just got uh we just got a taste of our own medicine. Thank you, caller, for calling in. Um, and Meatball, do you want to set up this interview a little bit? So here we have it. This is an interview with a self-proclaimed, self-titled cum dump. That's right. He they he I think he loves he- to get cum in his butt. Um and he explains why he prefers uh, HIV positive cum. That's to right. Other cums. And this it's is an a person... interesting conversation about this one person. This Correct. one person's opinion is not everybody's opinion. It's definitely not mine. And uh, we have pitched down uh, Jeff's voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, it might be a little harsh. So give it about 30 seconds, 45 seconds, whatever, and then you'll sort of get into the groove you'll get, and you'll yeah. be able to understand it. Um, we did pitch his voice down just because he, like, he has a Twitter in which he's, like, very public on the Twitter. Um, we're not going to identify that Twitter. Like, he likes to sort of talk about it and he was really into being on the podcast. But he also, I think a lot because of stigma, um, doesn't connect his like sexual life with his like real world life and, and professional life. So just, you know, here we go. Come for thought, food for thought. What's the phrase? For cock for thought. 
So please enjoy listen, our... enjoy, um, and save all of your criticisms. If you're going to listen to it and try to criticize us, at least wait to the end. Yes. You know what I mean? Get all the way through it. Hear it all, no matter how much you, you don't want to. Because you gotta. I had to. You gotta? You gotta. Medulla oblong. Oblong. You, you gotta. gotta. Enjoy! Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. When my fridge is stocked with Factor Meals, I'm like... Oh, baby, I don't have to think about this. Mm-hmm. Like, it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm-hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of ma- pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this is oh, yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code sloppy seconds 50 at factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> Okay, so I guess my first question is is that you identify you identify yourself as a cum dump? Yes, sir. Don't sir don't sir me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Wait, so um I guess what exactly does that mean to you? And like do you feel comfortable saying that to people? Like I refer to me as a cum dump. I feel comfortable saying that to people I'm gonna have sex with. Mm. Clear to them that I'm there to take their load and that that's what I want. That will make me happy. Um, 
for me, it comes up as a guy who literally let anyone who wants to fuck them, fuck them. And will be appreciative of that. Um, and it doesn't always involve taking the load, but if the top feels that the bottom is worthy of the load, then that bottom will take the load. Now, that's that's interesting because, that- like, to me, that is that's a window into your mentality Mm -hmm. um the idea of the bottom being worthy of the load because oftentimes when you think about especially in the sort of like um like a cum dump scenario it feels like it's like serving the top so if the top wants to come they get to come but the the inverse here of like the bottom being worthy of the load i find really fascinating i haven't really heard that before i've never heard that either but i have a question do do you ever feel like there's like a top not worthy of your hole no okay i will let anyone who wants to fuck me fuck me and in fact there are the, the tops who may not be particularly desirable in a in a, a sex group setting, um, those are the tops that I especially get off when they fuck me. And why is that? It's for me. It's the submissiveness that I am such a cum dump that I would literally let anyone who wants to fuck me fuck me. Wow. So when did you? So okay. So Wait, it's not about the com. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, I have a follow up. Uh, is that how does that relate to your day to day life when you are not sort of like in cum dump mode? Uh, uh, when you see any guy on the street, you could just go like, "Oh, I let him fuck me. Let him fuck me. Let him fuck me." Or do you find? Um, like in your day-to-day life being more discerning about like, oh, they're attractive, they're not attractive. Do you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, in my day-to-day life, I definitely will pick and choose. I mean, if, if I'm going to oh, go on okay. a one-on-one, if I'm going to go on a one-on-one hookup with someone, I'm generally a little bit more discerning. Oh. Um, I'm in a group setting, and the group setting is when I'm just a whole to be fucked in bread. Okay. I thought this was like your zhuzh every day, all day. But I understand now that there's like a, you have to be in the mode. You got to be turned on. You got to be in a group. It's in a group setting, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, but also on, on my one-on-one hookups on the bottom, I'm there to yeah. see my top. And if I don't come, that's okay with me. I, I don't need to come. For me, the, the sexual pleasure is in servicing my top and hopefully making them come. So for you being a cum dump, isn't it really about is it is it about the cum or is it more about servicing the top? Like, is it about collecting loads? For me, it's collecting loads. I want that load. And when well, did you realize that you like loved collecting loads? Um, oh, it was sometime after I became HIV positive. Um, probably in the last five years, I used to be mostly top. And I transitioned to becoming a bottom and just loving cum. And what what is it specifically about cum? Like what what is it? Because some people would say like, 
oh yeah, cum is just that thing that shoots out of a guy's dick that like may or may not taste good, may or may not be thick and creamy. Like there's, you know, like depending on the kind of load you get, like you don't know. Yeah. But for you, it's like cum is really the thing. Them, what, are you? Like what is it about cum? <laughs> oh yeah, and if they're coming in your ass, you don't even see the load. For me, it's a lot of it psychological. As is a lot of sex. Um, it's cum is the literally the essence of a man, and mm. him giving you his load is the most incredible compliment he could give me as a body. I made him so happy. I made him. I gave him so much pleasure. That he came inside of me. That that to me is is so incredible. And those those few seconds that he's actually unloading me, where I can actually feel his cock pulsing, or I can hear him making the sound that people typically make when they have an orgasm. For me, those few seconds are pure ecstasy. And when, like, when, when were you able to tap into that? Because I want to get I want to get into the psychology because you. You mentioned before, um, you know, becoming HIV positive. Were you always someone who was into taking loads or was there a time before that when you were um, really into like condom sex and, and being safe in that way? Um, I am 48 years old right now. I started having sex around when I was 19, 20, 19 Ooh, sex. Late bloomer. So that was... Uh, early 90s so hiv was very prominent then and gay porn you watched it was 100 percent condoms um i grew up always using condoms for sex okay um i i couldn't get hard putting on a condom so i would i defaulted to the bottom role early on um and i was i was a condom nazi i would not have sex without a condom period Mm. um it was somewhere in the mid 2000s that I'm guessing I converted. Um, I I never played unsafe before then. Um, I never intentionally played unsafe. I think a guy stealthed me in a sex club. Explain um, what that means. Yeah. Stealthing is if the top uh, puts on a condom and pretends they're using a condom, but at the actual moment of orgasm, either the condom's off or tears or the cum basically ends up in the bottom. And there's one uh, night in the sex club, but I can remember a guy wanted to fuck me without a condom. I said, no, he insisted, I insisted. We ended up having sex. Halfway through the sex, I felt his condom on his dick, and so I thought we were all cool. Then after he came, my hole felt abnormally wet. Oh, no. And up until that point, I had never taken a load before, so I didn't even know what my hole would have felt like with a load in it. Um, but that's the only time in the mid-2000s that I can recall ever possibly taking a load. And I, I wasn't getting HIV tested during those times, so I was thinking, well, I'm 100% safe bottom. What do I have to worry about? Mm. And it was in 2009 that I finally tested and was positive. Oh my so you, goodness. you believe that it was that night, that story? That is my best guess because 
I'm being 100% honest, I had never, before I found out I was paused, I had never bare packed. Except, except with my boyfriend at the time who became my husband. Uh huh. But the interesting thing is with him, I was all top. And um, he t- tested negative like a week before I tested positive. Wow. Wow. And so when that, when that shift um, happened for you, how did that change your view of like condom use and cum in general? Yeah. Well, for me, condoms were only there to protect against HIV. So now that at that mm. point in time when HIV wasn't an issue, um, obviously, when I first found out I was HIV positive, it was devastating. I, I, I was turned off by sex. I probably didn't have sex for several months. I was in a monogamous relationship with my husband at that point in time. Um, but sex was just was not a turn on to me. Um, but then we opened up our marriage, our relationship at that point in time. And I started having sex with other guys. And at that point in time, I just wanted to talk. Because now that I didn't have to work on him anymore, I could get hard and remain hard doing sex. And so I was just toppling. Mm. And then, um, you know, just looking at the pleasure the bottoms were getting from taking loads, I was all the way when I started taking loads. And so I just sort of slowly transitioned from pretty much all top to almost all bottom now. That was a transition of a course of probably over the course of a year or two. Wow. And we, we, you and I spoke to sort of set yes, up this. Yes, y'all had a private conversation. <laughs> we spoke to set up this interview, and you said something that I found really fascinating. So going back to, you mentioned that cum feels like the essence of a, like a man, the life source. And I, and I remember Are you keeping asking, the cum? Are you, are you, what do you do? You just hold on to it inside you? Or do you like put it in a jar? After guys coming, yeah. Um, I usually hold it up, hold on to it for a few hours, and then at some point, I have to poop, and so it comes out. Wow! Oh. You wave goodbye to the cum. It's not like jelly beans where you Thank can stick a whole bag up there and then it'll just disappear. <laughs> these will come, these will fall out. But what I was gonna say is that you you mentioned like like um you know essence you know the start of life right like you know sperm and an egg are what create something you 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 said before that um or you've said you said to me on the phone that a positive load is even hotter to you oh yes because to me and this is just my perspective and I, I actually speaking to other companies they have the same perspective for positive loads that that is the closest thing to male pregnancy that a gay man can achieve male and that's because unpack that a little yeah, yeah. taking the load that's HIV positive you actually have DNA from a virus injected into your butt and you're but absorbs that virus. And so taking pause loads is getting impregnated by a top, basically. And that to you, when, is, when you when you found yourself being turned on by that, when you found like 
you know, when you reflected back and you were like, wow, a decade ago, no one could come near me without a condom. Now I'm in a place where I want to take as many loads as possible and identify as a cum dump. And what, you know, it's even hotter if they're pause loads. Like, how do you see that change in your brain? Like, did you have to come to terms with that? Do you feel the need to reconcile that? Because there's a ton of stigma around that type of behavior as being like irresponsible. You know, I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah. Oh, I think it's, let me back up a little bit. So I'm in the medical profession. There's still a tremendous amount of stigma associated with HIV in general. Um, A lot of people still don't understand that if you're HIV positive, but undetectable, that you're basically have a chronic controlled disease. Um, it is irresponsible to crave HIV in the sense that, like, if, if I was neg and not on PrEP, um, however, the fact that I'm already paused, the fact that I'm on meds, makes a super infection incredibly unlikely. Mm. Um, I, I'm basically the same risk of getting super infected with a strain of HIV as a as a neg on PrEP would be for getting infected with HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most, most of the past people I play with are undetectable. Although honestly, when a non-medicated HIV top wants to breed me, that's like the epitome of sexual ecstasy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have sought out some of those types of tops. Um, so yes, it's totally irresponsible, but that's what I find sexually desirable. Yeah. Wow. Cause we've, what do we've, you think I've, of, yeah, we've had a conversation a little bit on here of, um, bug chasers and the term like toxic load. What do you think about something like that? Or like, I don't know, here in our outline, we have like a, well, hold on, hold on one second, Paul. Um, you just you mentioned being in the medical profession. This was a conversation we had because you just what you just said was, um, uh, like a person who uh, an unmedicated pause top, right? Mm-hmm. Do, do is there a because because there very much is. Um, a community, especially on Twitter, sex parties, people who are coming together, um, who are, uh, you know, advertising that they are positive and maybe unmedicated or not at an undetectable uh, place. Do people have you heard of or do people sort of wean themselves off of their meds in order to get their viral load to a certain place? Or are these people who probably just recently found out they're positive and have yet to get to an undetectable place? Cause all that it's sort most, of edging the medicine seems like it would, could have a negative effect. That's a lot of science. So it's mostly people who have found out they're recently positive and just haven't either started medications yet or, they just started medicines and it takes several weeks for you to become undetectable. Um, the one guy that I'm specifically thinking of who showed me his labs from a week prior with a barrel load of 1.7 million who I actually sought out, um, he had lost his insurance, so he could not afford his medications oh, no. uh, uh, for a period of a few weeks. 
And so he, his viral load shot up during those few weeks that he was off medications. And that's when you um, were like, give me those babies. Yes. <laughs> so I think that, that it's pretty hard to, and I've, I've heard of, and I know a lot of, a lot of sex talk is all fantasy and not real, but I've heard yeah. of guys who, who will go off meds for a few weeks, um, to get their viral load up and they'll, they'll advertise that they're pause and medicated for those few weeks. They'll try to have sex, but I, I don't know if, if that's real. Just like all the bug, all the bug chasers that you hear about, I know of a handful of what you call bug chasers who are HIV negative, who advertise themselves as not being on prep, but they told me that yes, they're on prep. Oh. I don't know of a single. So, bug chaser. so you're calling them liars? <laughs> uh, no, it's they're, they're liars to a certain extent, but a lot of times the conversation doesn't become that explicit. It's mostly. Yeah. I want your pause load. But they don't say that, oh, I'm neck, I'm neck on prep. They just say, I'm neck. Okay. So they, they sort of leave, leave out some information. And, and all of and, that again, is to build this fantasy of, of taking, taking the a DNA. pause load. But they're right. sort of taking some precautions on their side to, for it to not have like a lifelong effect. Right. And it's the fantasy of taking a pause load and getting impregnated by that pause load. Mm-hmm. So is there like a way when you're at a sex club that isn't specifically an HIV I don't know, bug chasing situation that you can identify someone. I know there's the um the toxic loads or the toxic symbol. And now I'm just now seeing that there's like scorpion tattoos or snake tattoos. Is that so, real so or the, is that just like the hanky code? It's gone out of favor. So if I see a guy with a biohazard tattoo, which is the the typical tattoo you see if someone's paused, or a scorpion tattoo, those are probably the two most common ones. If I see those guys, I know I know they're, I can assume they're paused. Whether they're toxic mm-hmm. or not, I don't know. Um, but no, otherwise, at a sex club, I can't tell whether someone's paused or negative, just like you can't tell someone's paused or negative in real life. Although some of the um, older men who have lived with HIV for 20, 30 years will have the AIDS wasting or HIV wasting that a lot of bug chasers find very attractive. Myself. Okay. And what is so that? That's, that? What is that? What that's are we sort like? of uh, in the cheeks a little bit. Sort of sunken cheeks, very wasted muscles, uh, big belly, um, like low body fat percent. It's, it's, it's just a look. Right. And it's horrible that I think this way, but that look is a turn on to me. Mm. Do you, have you encountered people like say with that look, right. That you go up to and they want nothing to do with the idea of their load being pause. They want nothing to do with the idea of like, put your pause load in me. Um, and for them, it's actually a very sort of like emotional and traumatic and sort of off limits type of conversation. And they are, you know, sort of 
they don't want HIV to enter into the sexual conversation. How do you gauge whether or not you can can sort of work your fantasy or your dirty talk into that interaction with them? So, yes, absolutely, 100%, yes. I have definitely met guys who I know for a fact either because they sent a line in their profile that they were HIV positive or they have that look. And I will broach the HIV topic with them. And I don't, usually in the sex situation, I'll broach the HIV topic with my partners as they're fucking me. And if they reciprocate, great. And if they don't reciprocate, I just stop it. Because I know that a lot of guys are turned off by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have one question, and it's about the term, and I know we've touched on it, but it's about the term toxic. Yeah. Like, it, if let's take your um, cum dump jock strap off and put on your medical professional undies. <laughs> scrubs. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, your scrubbies. Um, your figs. Now, um, what... <laughs> What like it? I feel like the term toxic is like not a good term. It's like not a good thing to call people. Right. Yeah, toxic has negative connotations, but in the cum dump world, um, cum dumps. Well, there's some that are turned off by it, but a lot of blood chasers or guys into HIV sex, toxic is a huge mm-hmm. turn off. Well. Yeah, I understand. It's just like how faggot's a bad word, but like uh, gays use it all the time. I use it all the time. But right. we could think, what about right now if we maybe tried to turn the phrase? We came up with a new word. New word for like, toxic? What, yeah. Like, what if we called it like his, um, I don't know, his his rampant load? Like, rampant. Or, uh, <laughs> or like, his, like, we could come up with a new fun word. Yeah, something like that. It, it's extra credit. I mean, but this is but this is what's interesting is because I think that His part sugary of, load. <laughs> I think part of the whole psychology behind it is that it's it bad. is a there is a stigma. It is dangerous. It is something that um, has so much trauma and suffering linked to it that it has sort of gone full circle for some people and become a fetish and especially with you um having the experience of sort of um of becoming pause and not even really n- sort of knowing how it happened or finding out in the moment and having to like think back on it i'm sure that shook your world for a little bit and so it feels like reclaiming something um people want the 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 original world you know the the mm-hmm. to use the terms that other people use in a in like a sort of a negative way, if that makes sense. Is that I feel like it rings true to you? I definitely think that's true. But also toxic is unambiguous. If someone yeah. says they're toxic, in in our world at least, it means they're detectable viral load. Mm-hmm. And when Brittany um, says it, she just means that she's like real fun to be around. She's real fun <laughs> to be around. So okay, so um uh we we've been mentioning uh this idea this this what i think is maybe a growing trend um on the podcast and we've gotten a lot of like it's been a little polarizing we've gotten some feedback from people saying don't talk about that this is you know there's so much trauma around this bug chasing is really taboo etc cetera, etc cetera. we we understand that the, there's a broad world full of different people who view the you know things differently but i think it is important to talk about it because this isn't something that happened in the 90s out of depression 
you know, I know that there was a huge population of folks who looked around and they had been participating in the same sexual behaviors as their entire friend group. They somehow were not HIV positive. Everyone Mm -hmm. around them was dying and they were sitting there living so depressed that they wanted to go out and seek HIV. I understand that that's sort of how the term began, but now, um, people are are sort of interacting with with uh HIV in this different way and i think it's it's worth talking about uh people are making specific porn uh related to uh ch- i guess another term is charging people up what yes. yeah charge loads charged oh, loads oh so there is another fun word for it there you go. Toxic loads charged. Mama, she's charged up. So, apparent there's a porn studio called Charged Up Media. Oh no! And I saw this on Twitter. It says, "Are you toxic with tats?" And it has uh, a scorpion, uh, a cobra snake, and a biohazard tattoo as example. And this says gang breeding that's happening during pig week in Fort Lauderdale. Are you HIV positive and high viral? Do you have a biohazard tattoo, scorpion tattoo, or a snake tattoo? Charge Up Media will be producing a film with a cast built entirely of men who proudly advertise their status. This will be a gang bang using Tim as the sole bottom. Please, no temporary tattoos. And they'll be checking. If you want to be included uh, in this film, sign up at their website. So, what are your thoughts on this? I totally relate to that. You're normally in Tim's position. I would love to be Tim. And I understand his, where he's coming from, why he talked to him. Tim was actually one of the, I mean, he's, I'm guessing he was probably 20 years old way back in 2000 when uh hot desert nights started doing bareback videos uh-huh. and he was one of their mm-hmm. bottoms and hot desert nights was basically a porn studio probably one of the first um who started doing bareback porn and they were basically just using regular guys who were having sex with each other bareback anyways in the palm springs area and they decided to film some of their sex parties mm-hmm. and the focus there was it was not um there was no discussion of HIV uh, during the, the scene. Like people weren't saying, "Oh, give me your toxic load, give me your charge load." Um, but it was there was a focus on bareback in the ass cum shots because mm. mm-hmm. um, that hadn't been seen in so long. No, no, like, no. no. The, even 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 bareback porn from movie. I call it condomless porn. I don't really call it bareback porn. So bareback porn is different focus. But condomless porn from the 1970s and 80s, the focus was not on the cum. The focus was not on getting loads and asses. You'll notice that most of the time, the guys pull out and cum, and that's it. Nowadays, guys will pull out and cum, usually on the asshole, and then they'll push the cum back in. And that's where I distinguish bareback sex, which is current, versus condomless sex, which is yeah, the pre condom Um. So when you partake in these big group scenes like Tim does, do you you've never been in a movie, right? Well, yeah, we you could only I, do that if you wore like a hood or something. Yeah. To cover your face up. I did one amateur movie, like a formal movie called um Manhattan Sex Party 
done by Cruising for Sex back in 1999-ish or so. Wow. So when that when they are filming those, like, what is what's the longest you've spent getting fucked all night? Like six hours, eight hours. You show up in the morning and you clock out at five. Oh, if I go to a sex party or sex club, I'll usually be there for four hours, give or take. Wow. And, are and you... I'm not getting fucked constantly during that time. It's, you know, guys, guys will fuck me for 15, 20, 30 minutes, or series of guys will fuck me for 15, 20, 30 minutes, and then uh, we'll get fucked for 15 or 20 minutes because I'm just either resting or, mm-hmm. or looking for someone or. Are you, are you the type of person to sort of find a spot and, you know, be on all fours and just wait and, and sort of whoever comes up, or you like to sort of like try to get some action going? I will periodically be asked up just waiting for guys, but I don't like to do that because I don't like to occupy a space that other guys may be, may be actually using to fuck. A kind mm. of considerate so, comes. So I, I, I try to be a considerate bottom. I'll do that for. I'll sit there for five, maybe ten minutes. Ask up, and if no one's biting, then I'll stand up and walk around and come back in five or ten minutes and see if any more actions built up. What do you think about while you're just waiting there? Ass, ass in the breeze. Hold, hold to the wind. I just think about. I hope someone comes up and starts fucking me. I hope <laughs> I never see their face. Oh. Do you ever, do you ever, okay, so say you're, say you're waiting and then you take two or three, you know, dicks and you never turn around, you never see their face and then you get up to sort of take a break or walk around. Do you look around and try to imagine who may have fucked you? No. Oh, it's not about that. Because you don't care. See, in my mind, I'm like, I want, I would try to figure it out. No, No, baby. This is all quite it's about the vibes. There's a guy whose cock felt particularly good. They had a particularly good rhythm for whatever reason. I really enjoyed the fuck. I'll try to like look up or as soon as they pull out of me, I'll look up and see who it is so that I can try to maybe establish some contact with them again later on that same night or get their information and fuck on the outside. But on the outside, on the outside, outside of the sex club, this prison of a sex club. Um, um so ask, ask about this. Send me a spreadsheet that you keep, and it details all the loads that you've taken, and you set an annual cum goal for yourself. What is what is your annual cum goal? And you must just be obsessed with taking loads. Let's say into that. What's the cum goal? So yeah, I I set up a Google spreadsheet where on a daily basis I will enter. I got two anal loads, two oral loads, whatever. Um, and then it automatically updates a monthly tally, and by my monthly tally, I can get a yearly tally. And um, I think a couple years ago, I don't remember the exact number, I want to say it took like 250 loads during the year, both oral and anal. Um, so but that, that, was, that, that, pretty... that doesn't mean 200 people, because some of these, I'm looking at the thing, some of these people are giving you multiple loads. Yes, that, or I'll hook up with the same guy over the course of a month several times. So it's not necessarily 250 people. Um, however, I probably have sex with three times to four times that number since most guys who fuck me don't actually give me their loads. Now, can I ask, I'm looking at the spreadsheet now, and across the top of it, it says A-T-A-G-O-T-O-G-J-O. 
Anal taken, anal given? Right. Oral taken, oral given. You see, the given given numbers are mostly zeros. Yeah, you're not given a lot here. Um, But what happened in September, October, November, and December? The pandemic, probably. No, that's well, maybe this upcoming this, this year. This is this yeah, year. Yeah, that's this, that's this year. You have this year's spreadsheet. So September, October, November, mm-hmm. December. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm looking it. at the first quarter and thinking yeah. that we should be. <laughs> We're looking at Q4 now. Uh, <laughs> what do you title in your Google Doc? What is this title? Oh, no, did your husband ever see it? Um, My husband has never seen it. Um, He, he probably knows that I have a low goal every year because he follows my Twitter. Oh, um, but <laughs> yeah. I, so, so the pre-pandemic, I had set a goal of 366 loads last year, one load for each day. You know, obviously I don't get a load every day, but I'll go like a week or two without getting any loads, and then I'll have a, a sex party where I'll get 10, 15, 20 loads. Um, but I set a goal of 366 last year, and then pan- the pandemic occurred, and I ended up with like I don't know 80 loads for the entire year, and that was all pretty much the first few months. Um, this year I set, initially had a goal of 200, and then after a really good July and August, I bumped it up to 250. So right now my goal for this year is 250. I'm probably at 100, and I haven't looked at my spreadsheet, but I'm probably about 115 or 20 votes for the year so far. And you have big plans for tonight? Yeah, well, there's a comedian tonight, so hopefully I'll get. 10, 15, maybe if I'm really lucky to find those tonight. Well, I wish you all the best. Likewise. I hope you get those loads. What if you, if you, so we're, we're obviously about to, we're wrapping up right here, but um, if you were to like, I just want to like, if you were to like give sort of like, like sum up your feelings about, um, taking loads and HIV and the idea of maybe like a, a young impressionable person listening to your story, because what, what I, what I love about your, your sexual experiences in your life is that you have tapped into something that, you know, makes you happy that, you know, gives you sexual ecstasy and you can even identify the psychology behind it, but you also do it in a way that you feel is responsible for your own life, you know, for your own actions. Like you're not being, um, careless in with your own self, right? Like you're very much in control. If you were to talk to someone like a younger, impressionable person, like, do you feel like you're like glad you became HIV positive? Like that's a very stigma thing to say, but I'm just curious, or are you, do you think you only feel this way because you happen to become HIV positive? And, um, do you know like cum dumps who are on prep and hope to stay negative? That's a very multi multi part. I question. know, I so, know, but yeah, I think those things that are was important. A Chanel. So yeah, it was like so, too many and, questions, and, but those are those are important things to think about. So uh, online guys and I will be able to learn on my HIV fetish and I, I always often hear from cum, cum dumps who then bottoms who want to become positive and I always tell them that if I had the choice, I would be negative. That that choice was not given to me um, as a result of me just having sex, which I thought was 100% protected. 
I became HIV positive somehow. And I would, I always tell them, do everything you can to stay negative because there's still stigma out there. You will have health problems. Uh, I have a, I have to have a doctor's visit every six months, and mm-hmm. you know I have to spend X number of dollars. You know, it's a minimal copayment. I still have to spend some money on my HIV medicines, and it's, it's still something that I. It's a burden that I have to bear. Um, that said, um, not having been, been given the choice of becoming HIV positive, I do think that it's allowed me a level of freedom that I probably would not have even if I was on if if I was neg on prep. It's just this liberating, I guess, feeling that I have with regards to being a bottom for sex. Mm. So uh, most of, uh, actually, every quote-unquote bug chaser that I know who says that they're chasing HIV is actually on prep. And I always tell them, please stay on prep. You know, engage in the fantasy all you want. But stay on prep. And hopefully they do. I don't know. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for being here today. Jeff, the cum dump. And answering <laughs> all of our questions and being so open and honest. Um, thank you guys. How do you feel now? Me? I felt great. I felt great when I did the interview with you. I felt great. I I felt great when I saw I, Je- I when I saw Jeff recently. Did you fuck Jeff? I saw him out in the world. I didn't fuck him, but I saw him. Where? Well, well I never saw mind. him out. The spank party. <laughs> you blew him. Um, what a wonderful interview. A a different point of view than I've heard. That's- I'd also like to say, like, it, it's... That's the big takeaway. He seems to be practicing responsibly, whether or not what he's doing is responsible or irresponsible. The thing for me that was the biggest takeaway when we got off the call uh, with Jeff was after all of that fantasy talk, after all of everything, at the end of that interview when we asked him, what would you say to young people? And Jeff said... Remain negative. Do not become HIV positive. Yeah. We need to reduce completely and get rid of the stigma around HIV positive people. But also, if you were to choose a life without a chronic disease or a life with a chronic disease, you would choose. You choose without. without. And I that really stuck with me because um the fantasy life can be alive and well. Listen, there are plenty of people who have rape fantasies. That I mean, that's a really taboo thing, but there are plenty of people who have that fantasy. And there are companies, there are sex workers that you can pay that will kidnap and rape you. Correct. And as long as those fantasies are executed in a safe, consensual way and executed in a way... Um, or acted out in a way that both parties are really into and really get off on. That to Adult me consenting party is 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 a great way to explore your sexuality. See if you like it or not. Would I do it again? Most likely not. But if that's what someone else is into, I'm not going to yuck someone's yums 
I'm not going to say if it's right or wrong. It's his life. He can do what he wants. And he seems to be doing it with consenting adults. Right. What was the most shocking part of the interview for you? Mine was the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is amazing. The spreadsheet is so, uh, so fun. And to me, really sort of, you know, like brings home the idea that Jeff is like fully obsessed with this, fully the like identifies as a cum dump, and fully like this is a part of their life. Not a not a phase, not a moment, not a ooh, I'm really feeling it tonight on Saturday night, and I want to take a few loads tonight. Like this, it, like Jeff has tapped into a part of his identity that makes him feel his most sexual. And to me, that you know, that's that is a good thing. To find that spot in your life. He knows what he wants and he's out there getting it. Yeah. Okay. So something Meatball, you and I talked about is, remember we, like, initially we were like, oh, we want to get this kind of an interview and this kind of interview, this kind of interview and put them all together. But at this point, we we just sort of have this interview. So something that I, I, I'm hopeful we can do on Sloppy Seconds is as we move forward, um, have the opportunity to do these types of interviews with people and not feel like, oh, we have to build some big special around it. Yeah. But, you know, like Just I would love to interview in. a dominatrix. I would love to interview. We consider ourselves an incredibly sex positive show. We tell exactly. these fuck talk stories. We get voicemails from people. And I want to hear from you. all experiences. So, uh, you know, I look forward to further interviews that we may have on the show. Absolutely. And I think that this will be great for us to just drop these in whenever we feel like it. So it doesn't have to be like a big a big to do. Yeah, because I did. I mean, again, whether or not I agree with this person, I did enjoy interviewing them. I did enjoy seeing the other side. I did learn a lot from them. So we can all we can all learn from this. This is a big learning. We can learn something, right? Yes. Uh, hello so, from the from the other side. You said from the other from side. From the other side. Are you ready for the return of adult? I am. Hopefully, I'm at our next birthday party. You know what I mean. <laughs> our number is two one three five three six nine one eight zero. Go ahead and email us at sloppysecondspot at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode, which I come out every Tuesday and Friday. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod, at Spicy as Meatball, or Big Dipper Jelly, or Fat Jack Meatball on Twitter. Okay, goodbye. Doodle doo doo, forever dog. To listen to Sloppy Seconds ad free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by Big Dipper and Meatball. Music, editing, and sound design by William Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork was drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.